less than nine months after a nearly 40-year run, the sun will finally be setting in LIBOR, everyone's favorite alternative reference rate, when so far the secured overnight financing rate will officially replace LIBOR as the benchmark reference to determine rates on over $4 trillion of syndicated loans. And all is not well in the loan markets as a number of borrowers and lenders have butted heads when it comes to making corresponding adjustments to the loans to reflect key differences between the two benchmarks. In this special edition of the Reorg America's Core Credit Podcast, Reorg's man in Houston, James Holloway, speaks with Meredith Coffey, Executive Vice President of Research and Co-Head of Public Policy at the LSTA and a member of the Federal Reserve's Alternative Reference Rates Committee, or ARRC, about the past, present, and future of the ongoing LIBOR to SOFR transition. David, thank you for that introduction. And this is James Holloway of the Houston Bureau of Reorg down in Texas. And Meredith Coffey, thank you very much for making the time to speak with us. Our piece about the LIBOR SOFR transition and the absence of a credit spread adjustment in some cases was one of the most read stories on Reorg that week and I think for the whole year. And we couldn't have done it without your help, of course. Now, you just wound up the LSTA's annual conference in New York week before last, if I have my dates right. How much was the transition a topic of discussion among the participants? Well, thanks, James, and thanks for having me here today. I'm delighted to speak to you about LIBOR transition. Um, kind of funnily enough, um, we actually had not scheduled much time to discuss LIBOR transition when we put the conference together in the spring. You know, back in the spring, we thought when we had to organize the conference, we thought people would be clicking along with transition and frankly would be over the topic in general. Um, but it appears people are not over LIBOR transition. Uh, so what we did at the conference, we didn't have any particular panel on it, but I was on a panel at the end of the day. And I spoke about LIBOR transition on that last panel at the end of the day. The panel, you know, the panel, the one right before cocktails where people are getting pretty restive. Um so I spoke about LIBOR transition then, and actually that drove a number of questions both during and after the panel. So to put this in context, um, instead of going to cocktails after eight hours of conference, people decided to stick around and talk about LIBOR transition. So I think they were pretty pretty interested in it actually. Um, questions involved, you know, what, what were borrowers going to do? When were they going to start focusing on transition? What is the right credit spread adjustment? How to get the, all the amendment fallbacks done? So ultimately, before cocktails, there was a bit of a buzz about it. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, um, the primary market, speaking about uh, the leveraged loan, primary market loan, primary, primary market leverage loan, excuse me, it's been nothing short of a somnolent this year. And uh, this week, we actually saw a, a fairly large deal pulled. Uh, that was the Brightspeed transaction. And you can look at Reorg's website for the full story. And how much will this um, sort of low in primary be a factor in the transition? Yeah. Yeah, this probably wasn't the year we were hoping for leading up to a uh, LIBOR transition. So obviously, uh, 2022 has been a tumultuous year in all markets. Um, this includes loans. So, you know, we've got war, inflation, interest rates, supply chain constraints, like very, very major things. And the loan market is off. It is down. It is soft. Um if we look at the secondary market, the average price is around 92 cents on the dollar. That's down from 99 in January. Leverage lending was about 23 billion in third quarter. So that's the lowest level since the global financial crisis. And interest rates 
for leverage borrowers have nearly doubled since January, going up from in the new issue market, going up from about 5% to closer to 10%. So net, net, not a great market in which to be a loan issuer. And that has, of course, impacted LIBOR transition. So what we were hoping for, you know, this time last year is that there would be a lot more of what we call organic transition. So basically companies just refinancing loans into SOFR in the ordinary course of business. So you come back in 2021, you've got an M&A deal, you've got a dividend deal, you've got a refinancing, and you just automatically sort of transition into, into SOFR. Um, in the normal year, in a normal year, there's around a 30% turnover rate in the leveraged loan market. And again, this would just refinance into SOFR. Um, unsurprisingly, with that litany of woe I just mentioned earlier, no borrower that doesn't have to tap the loan market for, for a new loan is doing so. Um, instead of a 30% turnover rate in the leveraged loan market, we see the turnover rate being about half that. And that is really, unfortunately, slowing LIBOR transition. Um, and that's too bad, but that's kind of where we are today. Okay. Well, geez, that is a very interesting point you made, especially about the drop-off in volume. Um, and you have noted that there is still about $4 trillion of loans that need to be remediated to SOFR um, before LIBOR rides into the sunset in June of next year. And um, the time is closer than you think, as a wise man once said. Mm -hmm. So given the factors you've discussed, how efficiently or quickly do you see this happening against our rather challenging macro environment? Yeah, I mean, there, it is definitely a challenging situation. Um, if we look at, for instance, um, the leveraged loan indices, um, about 15% of the outstanding institutional market is on SOFR, which means about 85% still needs to transition. Um, and there's definitely going to be challenges, um, particularly if companies are not hitting the loan market, not tapping the market for new loans unless they have to. So if we don't have a lot of companies organically refinancing to LIBOR, what happens? Well, what we hope happens is that many companies use what, what we call their early transition language in their loan documentation. And what we mean by that is most loans have the ability to transition early from LIBOR to SOFR. You can remediate early using a LIBOR uh, fallback amendment. So most credit agreements typically have um, what's called an amendment fallback language. You can typically do it in a streamlined 51% consent amendment, usually 51% negative consent. And you can do that early. You can do that prior to LIBOR cessation. And this sort of amendment should be reasonably straightforward if companies look to transition to term SOFR plus a reasonable credit spread adjustment or CSA. And we saw a handful of these company, of companies doing this in late summer. Um, and we hope to see many more. And the reason for this is because it is a streamlined 51% negative consent amendment, these deals should still be able to get done in a dislocated loan market. Um, so if people want to, if companies want to do this, they would be able to remediate early. And this could really sort of knock down the inventory of what needs to be remediated. But the companies have to want to do it. It is their decision. If they don't do that, well, then things could get a little messier. Then we could be in a situation where people are remediating closer to LIBOR cessation, remediating closer to or in June 2023. And as I said, this could be messier. Um, I would break the camps down into two camps of um, borrowers that would remediate at that point. Uh, the first group is the borrowers that have what we call hardwired fallback language. 
Um, about one third of the loans outstanding have hardwired fallback language. And these companies should be reasonably okay because this fallback is pretty straightforward. What it does, what these hardwired fallback documents say is that once LIBOR ceases, the loan will automatically fall back to term SOFR plus the ARC credit spread adjustment. There needs to be some conforming changes, but there's no active amendment process. So since that's kind of automatic, automated, it should be okay. What we're more concerned about is those loans, the majority of loans that have what's called amendment fallbacks. So again, this is typically a 51% negative consent. It's a streamlined amendment, so that's good. But if thousands of companies try to jam all these amendments in right around LIBOR cessation, we could definitely see a traffic jam. And we could definitely see not all of them getting transitioned in time, even though they're 51% negative consents. If they don't transition in time, the companies go to prime. You do not need to go to prime in a, in a time when interest rates are very high. So that would not be good. Um, and that's our concern. People are prone to procrastination. Uh, we really hope they don't procrastinate until next summer. Okay, well, great. Thank you. That's very interesting. And I uh, want to thank you for the time. But before you go, um, is there anything else that market participants need to be thinking about relative to the transition or the markets just in general? <laughs> um, well, I think people need to you know, be able to handle volatility. But beyond that, um, the thing I would say, I would just reiterate, remediate early, remediate often. You know, this is in the borrower's power. Nearly all loans can remediate early. Um, I think a number of companies and a number of borrowers think, hey, I've got just a couple of loans outstanding. How big an issue could it be to actually remediate them at, around LIBOR transition? I just don't need to worry about that now, right? I'm worrying about recession, inflation, interest rates. I'm not going to worry about LIBOR transition. But if these borrowers don't remediate early, they could well get stuck in the transition traffic jam around LIBOR cessation, they may end up in a loan that is now paying prime, and that is not great. So my takeaway, remediate early, remediate often. Okay, great. Uh, wise and very timely words from Meredith Coffey. Meredith, thank you very much, and uh, best of luck. Thank you for tuning in to this special edition of the Rearg America's Core Credit Podcast. Remember to find all our podcasts on the rearg.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon.